I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please, you have got to go over there and hit that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have decided to put all of my awesome interviews with First Class Fathers of the Pro Football Hall of Fame together in one exciting podcast package for you. I have been really blessed to speak with some of the greatest players to ever step on the gridiron, and their messages about fatherhood are very important. I could not have hoped to have better guests join me here on the podcast to shoot the breeze with everything about dad life. And keep in mind that I only started this show a little over five months ago. I'm really just a ham and egger when it comes to the digital world, when it comes to the social media world. Uh, But I have been working extremely hard on every aspect of producing this podcast. I am, however, no stranger to hard work. I have been a railroad mechanic for over 19 years. I have always had a few hustles going on on the side to complement my main job. I have been the super in my apartment building. That was for six years. I have driven a taxi cab, now Uber, for six years. I have worked for a fuel reporting company for over 11 years. I owned and operated my own vending machine business for about five years. I've been a top seller on eBay, and the list goes on and on. And that's really just a snapshot of some of the things that I have done to provide for my wife and my four children. But I can tell you this much. With all the jobs that I've ever had, I have never been as passionate about any of those jobs as I have been about producing first-class fatherhood. And I am extremely thankful for each and every one of you guys and girls out there that are continuing to tune into the show and show me support. Your comments, emails, direct messages have all really meant the world to me. And the truth is, I love fatherhood. I love being a dad. I love talking about fatherhood. And really, I enjoy speaking with so many of these amazing people about the successes and the failures that fatherhood brings. And are you kidding me? Listen to the lineup of men that I have for you here in this special edition. Morton Anderson, Andre Reed, Willie Rofe, Kurt Warner, and Deion Sanders. Okay, so come on, guys, please enjoy these interviews. This is the third special edition podcast that I have put together for you guys. Uh, If you scroll back through the archives, you can check out my Navy SEAL collections, volume one and two, which include my interviews with 10 frogmen, including the guy who shot Osama bin Laden, Rob O'Neill. So please, I highly recommend you guys subscribe to the podcast. Mention this to any father or father figure that's in your circle, in your family. Let's spread the word about this podcast. First Class Fatherhood is really starting to catch some momentum out there. And I want to say welcome to all of you listeners who are joining for the first time on Radio.com. I have just recently signed a distribution deal with Entercom, and their streaming source is Radio.com. So I'm really excited about all the things that have happened here for First Class Fatherhood. We are not the same dads that are being portrayed on TV and in the media. We are a different father today. And I I stress this a lot, that the world has moved on from the way we view wives and mothers of being a homemaker or being the caregiver. And we look at them as a a much bigger role in society and in the family. But we look at dads the same way. We look at him as that dopey guy that doesn't know what he's doing and needs to have a pat on the back anytime he does anything for his kids. And that's not the dads that we are today. We are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we are not just fathers. 
We are first-class fathers, all right? So that's the bottom line here, the message that I'm trying to get out there. And I have been very fortunate to kick that around with so many great men. And you are going to hear from five of them coming up right here after I smack you guys with a quick little spot. So you are going to hear from some of the greatest football players that have ever lived. And they also happen to be first-class fathers. All right, so I'm going to hit you with this little message here on how you can help support the podcast if you're interested. And I'll be right back with my NFL Hall of Fame interviews. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Coming to bookstores on January 22nd, 2019, Transformed, a Navy SEAL's unlikely journey from the throne of Africa to the streets of the Bronx to defying all odds. Written by Remy Adelake. From troubled teen to Navy SEAL, this incredibly popular up-and-coming actor has beaten the odds at every turn. Prepare to be inspired on January 22nd, 2019. Remy Adelake, Transformed. Pre-order your copy today on Amazon.com. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first-class father who has appeared in 382 NFL games. He has successfully kicked 565 field goals. One time, he made three 50-yard-plus field goals in a single game. I am very honored to have a few minutes with Hall of Fame place-kicking legend Morton Anderson. Morton, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Nice to be with you. Okay, let's kick things off here, shall we? How many kids do you have, and how old are they? I got two boys, uh, eight and 14, Sebastian's 18. Uh, so we got uh, one getting ready to go to college uh, at Michigan State, and Aiden is getting ready to go into eighth grade and very busy in sports, both of the kids, and doing, doing great. All right. Do you coach the boys in their sports, or do you watch from the sidelines? I coached them when they were younger, and but I also firmly believe that other input is important, that as a parent you can get too close and too involved, that other adult uh, supervision and, and input is important and interaction, hopefully hearing the same message but from a different uh, perspective and a different angle is, I think is real healthy and gives gives them perspective and reinforces what we, you know, my wife and I teach them at, at home. Hopefully when they go out and they, they see a coach, they hear a coach that basically has the same message but might communicate it in a different way, becomes a very powerful impact. You know, hopefully the impact it sticks, sticks with them. Great point. All right, it's definitely a difficult decision facing fathers today. How do you feel about young kids playing contact sports, football in particular? Um, yeah, that, that's you know, my, my Sebastian, who was 18, was uh, involved in football as a linebacker. He had two concussions, and we decided we were going to – we pulled him. So now he's playing golf and uh, basketball and, uh, and other sports. And my youngest playing soccer. He's a goalie. And, and there's certainly risks involved. I, I'm not discouraging people from getting their kids involved in sports at all. But for us um, – the decision was pretty easy once we saw that, you know, the concussions and so forth, and he failed the concussion protocol test, so didn't think it was worth the risk. We, we didn't feel, and he didn't feel that he was going next level, you know, wasn't quite big enough, and uh, 
had he had an opportunity and had the maybe the you know the the chance to go next level, we would have thought differently about it. But really, uh, I'm kind of glad he got got away from from that. What were some of the challenges of being a high level NFL player and becoming a father? What were some of the difficulties of that? Well, I had I got married very late. I was 37, and we didn't have kids until 30. I was 39. My wife's 34, so it was at the tail end of my. Well, I did play another eight years, so I guess the the biggest challenge was trying trying to find enough time in the day to to feel like you're contributing uh, in in fatherhood and and to be present because of the demands of of pro football. You know the time constraints and uh, the the intensity of 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 that arena uh, requires that you you've gone a lot, uh, long hours, and that you're mentally really focused on what what you got to do there. So I think finding a balance um, and also managing that off season um, to really spend quality time with your family was probably the most difficult. But I, I thought we we got through it pretty well. How did becoming a father affect the teams or the cities that you decided to play for? Or did you have a home base or did you pick up and move from city to city? We had a home base in Atlanta. We moved to New York when I was with the Giants in Kansas City. We bought a house there for a couple of years. The kids were quite young, so it's pretty easy when they're young to just, uh, because they don't have established friends necessarily that they're going to remember. You know, it, it's it, it was easy to move them. And um, by the time I was done in, in 2007, we were back in Atlanta for the last couple of years. So we had our home base here, and they worked out really well. But, you know, uh, moving around for three, four years really didn't present a huge issue for us. I mean, the, the biggest challenge was when I was in Minnesota, I think, in 2004, and my wife, we had a newborn and a four-year-old. And my wife was pretty much, I was commuting back and forth between Kansas City and Minneapolis. That was a little challenging and my wife was there with the two the two boys by herself while I was, you know, working in Minneapolis. That wasn't ideal, but we made it we managed. Did the boys have a chance to come and see you play or did you kind of keep them away from the scene? What what was their experience like as sons of an NFL great? Yeah, I took them to games and also uh on the field, into the locker rooms, uh, you know, after the games and I think Sebastian remembers more than Aiden. Aiden was too young uh, to remember any of it, but both kids had an opportunity to be in that environment. Whether they, how much they remember of it, I, I'm not sure, but I try to include them as much as I could. All right, another tough topic facing many dads today, myself included, is social media. How have you kind of handled social media with your boys? Well, I've, you know, I've, I grew up in an era without cell phones without internet without the world wide web without social media so i'm probably not the best to ask it because if it was up to me i would probably say just ignore it and don't be on it but (laughs) (laughs) i know that uh, there's a lot of positives that can come from from interaction on those platforms and getting messages out we just we encourage our boys to be careful tweeters um and to be careful with whom they interact on social, on those platforms, and to be vigilant and responsible and understand that when you do put something out there, it's it's gone. It's, and can't just take it back. Somebody can 
you know, document it, and uh, there is a trail. So you have to just really stand by what you, you, you're putting out there and have quality and not quantity necessarily. So, um, But I would say the one word, just to be vigilant about it and, and be smart about it. Yeah, great advice right there. Uh, what could you tell my listeners about your foundation, the Morton Anderson Foundation? Yeah, Jennifer and I, my wife and I started that uh, back in 08 when I retired, and we just felt that so much had been given to us, and we had always felt strongly about supporting uh, certain causes, especially quality life programs for children and youth, and so we're, we support our boys and girls clubs here in Atlanta and, and other charitable endeavors involve uh, youth-related activities, um, scholarships, prevention of obesity, many, many areas, and also our, our special ops soldiers and their families, we support them, and we have different events, golf tournaments, wine tastings, and different programs that we we uh, try to run and raise money. Well, fundraising is what we do, and then we give the money away, so it's been enjoyable. It's a lot of work, but uh, it's also given us a huge uh, network and platform, I think, to you know, to try to affect change on a local level. And, uh, you know, much much is given to us, so I think much is expected. And we try to – the motto of the foundation is what you give will grow and what you keep will perish. And we try to live by that. And um, hopefully in a small way we can make a, a difference and, and hopefully inspire others to, to do the same. Well said. All right, please tell my audience uh, where they can go and find more information about the foundation or even donate. Yeah, they can just go to mortonanderson.com, www.mortonanderson.com, click on the tab that says Foundation, and you get all the information there. Also, this is another website, specialteamsforspecialops.com, and uh, that explains the more of the military arm of our uh, what, what we support uh, on our special ops guys. And um, love to have support from, from, my, from anybody out there who was so inclined and uh, – we, we've had a great time meeting a lot of these uh, soldiers, and uh, high-end elite soldiers who've gone through so much for, for our country and, and their families who've given and sacrificed so much. So we uh, feel very strongly about supporting them and uh, continuing to have a strong country. All right, I would love to get your opinion on this. What is your take on the players who are protesting during the national anthem by taking a knee? My opinion is you should stand for the flag of your nation and honor the flag. And uh, it's, that's not the platform to protest. Um, so I've, I feel very convicted about standing for the national anthem, put your hand, remove your caps, put your hand on your heart, and uh, honor your nation. Awesome. Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement with you on that. Uh, what type of advice could you give the new fathers that are out there listening? Uh, patience and to listen to your wife, <laughs> listen to her needs and, <clears throat> and, uh, listen to your children as they grow and because they give you honest feedback and just have patience with the process that, you know, sometimes can be frustrating, especially in the early years because you can't really communicate with your kids um, and they can't communicate with you, although they're trying. And then just really enjoy the process and watch them grow and take that journey with them and hopefully impart wisdom that they can use. And The job of a parent is to prepare your kids to be self-sufficient and independent thinkers 
And I think that's the greatest gift you can give as a parent is the gift of the wisdom and levity and, and um, you know, give them those tools, uh, common sense tools that they can take with them when they leave the house and so that they, um, of course, they're going to make mistakes. We all do, but that they learn from them and they have enough uh, in their arsenal to go out and be productive, happy, passionate human beings in society. All right. Hall of Fame NFL career in the books. What's next for Morton Anderson? Uh, What's driving you right now? Yeah, so besides the Family Foundation and the work we do there, I have a a golf event business and uh, just returned from a trip to Europe with 16 U.S. guys uh, in Ireland and France. And so I feel very great about connecting business executives who have a common love of uh, the game of golf in an exclusive setting. And so we've been doing that. I have a partner in Europe, so... We're growing that business. My uh, speaking business is also growing and uh, staying quite busy on on that side with my company, Morton Anderson Global. And um, again, the website is where you can go to to, if anybody wants to hire me for a keynote speaking or any any stuff, they can go there as well. They can see some work I've done in the the past, but uh, just staying busy, filling my life with, with with activities, uh, playing mixed doubles with my wife, and uh, really enjoying tennis and uh, trying to stay healthy and happy and passionate about my life. All right, listen, if an NFL team was in a spot right now and threw up the bat signal in a sense, would you be able to trot out there right now and nail a 50-yarder? I probably would not, no. I, I would I would, I would, have to uh, humbly decline and say my work's done. And <laughs> lots of young, a, lot of, a lot of young guys out there who who are, are ripe for that experience, and I had mine, and uh, I would applaud uh, somebody else taking taking that challenge. Do you mentor or counsel any of the young kickers out there or work with any of the aspiring kickers, or are you kind of away from the game entirely? I have uh, more than some boot camps, one-on-one uh, experiences for kids who are serious about their craft and who want to go to the next level, and they can go through the website again on that. And, um, yeah, so... Um, I have, you know, anywhere from the, the youngest I've had is 10 years old, and that was, that was young, but mostly they're high school, college, and I have a few pro-level guys that I uh, do some consultation for, so it's been it's been a very fun. All right. You got anything else you want to add there? No, I'm, no, I'm good to go, buddy. All right. Hall of Fame kicker, Morton Anderson, first-class father. Thank you very much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. No problem, Alec. All right, we'll be right back after a quick spot. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a legendary NFL wide receiver who has 951 catches to his name. He scored 87 touchdowns. He has racked up over 13,000 receiving yards. He appeared in four Super Bowls, and he was enshrined in the NFL Hall of Fame. He is also a first-class father. It is my honor to say, Andre Reed, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Let me throw a few questions at you here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? Uh, I have two kids, a boy and a girl. The girl is 24, and my boy is 22. Okay. One and one. Were both kids involved in sports growing up? They were active a little bit in sports in high school. 
But you know what? It isn't. Uh, it wasn't their thing. And I think, um, you know, as, as a parent, you got to realize that your kids are going to have their own interests and have their own things in life that they want to do. And you kind of just you're behind them, and you just want them to be positive and be good people. Uh, that's that's it. You know, be be your own person. What are some of the other activities they're involved in? Yeah, well, actually, my my son is taking up uh, uh, jujitsu and all that kind of stuff. So he's very active in that. Uh, and my daughter's just a girl going to school. She was um, she's been in Spain the last six months, um, going to school there and you know experiencing some some things that uh, you know different parts of the world. And it's awesome. It's good to see them growing in their own way. Um, you just got to be behind them and and encourage them to to be good people and be passionate about what they want to do in life. Um, that's really probably the main thing. All right, Andre, tell me, what were some of the difficulties of being such a high-level NFL star while being a father? I, I think every professional football player is so in tune to what they do, and a lot of times maybe their their kids, uh, you know, don't get what they should to a certain point, a lot of attention. Um, I, I just had to realize that my kids are probably the most important thing to me, and I got to set an example for them, um, not only on the field, but off the field, and... You know, I want them to be proud of me as much as, as you know, I want to be proud of them. And I think if, if we, we both know that uh, and set, set an example, you know, as parents, you want to set examples and set good examples and put them in an atmosphere where uh, they make the right choices. They're not going to make all the choices the right all the time, but um, you put them in an atmosphere where uh, they, they're able to make the choices that are the right ones. And if they're not, they got to deal with the consequence of it. And we're all not perfect. We all make mistakes. And you just don't want to make a big mistake, especially early in life. All right. What's your opinion on social media? And what type of advice could you give on how to monitor that? You know, nowadays there's so many different influences for kids and, you know, social media and all this other kind of stuff going on that you got you to tell them what's right. It's good and it's bad. And everything has a good and bad kind of flavor to it. Um, you try to, again, you try to tell them, what to, not only what to say, but, again, the consequence of what you say a lot of times is is really what your actions are about. So you got to deal with that, and you got to realize that some of the things you say, you might not be it might not be in the right context, and you, a lot of times you look at these athletes now, they say things, and it's not really what they meant, but it was kind of in the moment. Uh, and a lot of guys got to, hey, they got to atone for what they say. Yeah, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? Exactly. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah. All right. This is a difficult decision facing a lot of dads out there today. So uh, let me ask you, uh, with everything we know today about CTE, what's your advice to the dads that are out there struggling with the decision on letting their kids play contact sports, especially football? Well, when I was seven, you know, they, they didn't have flag football. They got flag football in a lot of places in the country now where they uh, they learn the game and learn the the little things about the game early with, with no pads on. Um, I, I was fortunate. I'm not fortunate that at seven, eight years old, they put the pads right on you, and you really didn't know other than, okay, you're banging in the kids, and you don't know the impact of what that means, even at even at an age like that. Um, I, I think, you know what? I think it's each parent's decision. Um, Team sports, I think, teaches you a lot about life. Sports in general teaches you a lot about life. Uh, is, is there good and bad in it? Yes. 
Uh, I think a lot of parents, and a lot of parents have already asked me if you had, if your child was to play football right now, would you let him? And, and I would say yes. If that's his passion, that's what he wants to do. You can't you can't take a dream away from them, and they just got to know the consequences of it. That it's that's it. You got to know, hey, this is a violent sport. Um, things are going to happen if that's what you want to do. Um, good. And I, I don't think uh, stealing your kids' dreams and of what they want to do to really influence you on their decision that they make. Yeah, you bring up a great point there. I've had my boys involved in the NFL flag football league. Uh, it's very well organized, and it does teach them the skills of the game without them having to take all the blows. So, Yeah, and that's ironic because just here in Canton um, this past weekend, um, the NFL and the Boys and Girls Club, which I'm a big advocate of, I do a lot of things with them. I have my own reading program through the Boys and Girls Club. Um, there's a, uh, they have flag football, and it's encouraging kids to get out there and be uh, exercise and be a part of the game. Um, girls as well as boys, and I think it's uh, it's an important thing because it teaches those lessons you need uh, later in life. And one thing as parents you can't do, you can't can't take away those lessons, man. Those lessons are really important. Okay, you mentioned it there. What can you tell me and my listeners about the Andre Reed Foundation? Well, we started this program called Reed with Reed 83. Obviously, my last name's Reed, and 83 is my number. And we uh, initiated this through the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, which I am alumni Hall of Famer, just like Shaq and Jennifer Lopez and Denzel Washington and a whole slew of people and entertainers and athletes. And, you know, I use that uh, as, a, uh, as a benchmark and as a foundation for kids uh, to, to read and, and tell them how they, what the importance of reading is because it is very important um, that, you know, reading is a part of your life. Um, it's a part of – getting a part of economic success and it's it's a part of uh these kids growing in life and and sports has a way of teaching you that and reading is very important and and through ac- yeah, academic and occupational success uh it's uh it's important and my our initiative is to encourage reading you know 30 minutes a day and through the game of football we we teach these kids they read books they have to read 83 books in a certain amount of time and as they move their football on a field, um, they get their, uh, you know, a prize. And the ultimate prize uh, to become an MVP reader, if they read 100 books, is coming to a game and meeting uh, the owner or meeting players, meeting uh, just being a part of the NFL experience, which a lot of these kids don't get to do. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a ferocious reader myself. I knock out about a book a week, and I'm always encouraging my kids to read. Uh, please tell my listeners where they can go to find out more about the foundation. Hit us with the links. Well, they can go to my Instagram, AR83Foundation, and that's on, on my Instagram. Um, also on Twitter, on my uh, uh, my my site on Twitter. Um, it's just Andre underscore Reed83. They can find out a lot about what I'm doing, videos, and we were just in Seattle and all this. It's just been great. And um, we're always looking for sponsorship uh, in different cities. Uh, especially NFL cities uh, through the Boys and Girls Club, and um, it's it's a great program, and I think uh, it's taken off since September. We're going to be in five more cities this year uh, during the football season, and um, we, we just love to give these kids this experience. But again, the incentive is that reading is important, and it's it's a part of life, and it's a part of economic success in life. Okay, yeah, we were talking a little bit before we're off the air. Tell me a little bit more about your trip to Seattle. 
Well, we, we went up there and, and we took some, you know, the four MVP readers in Seattle this year, uh, this summer, and we actually are starting to do it in the summer more because obviously summertime the kids don't want to read <laughs> that much in summer. But uh, we got to get down there at the training camp, and uh, we met Shaquille and Shaquem Griffin, um, Doug Baldwin. Um, the kids talked with head coach uh, Pete Carroll, and it was a great experience there in Seattle uh, two weeks ago there to, uh, you know, show these kids that this is, this is the kind of thing that you get, and these kids ask questions like, what's your favorite book you read? And it was, uh, it was awesome. It was a, a great time for those kids. All right, I'm very curious to get your opinion on this. It's a very big topic of conversation with the NFL. What is your take on the players who are taking a knee during the national anthem, and what type of message is that sending the children? Well, I really didn't get involved with that when, when it first all started, you know, with Colin Kaepernick and that whole year, and then now – uh, with this policy, um, obviously we live in a world that, um, you know, sports is a part of society and, and vice versa. And um, guys have their own ways of their own protesting. And whether it's right or it's wrong, it, you know, we live in a country where everybody has the right to uh, voice their opinions. Um, I, you know, when I came in the league, there was no such thing as not standing up for the national anthem. And it, it was, kind of given that you got to stand and put your hand on your heart and, and uh, you know, do that, what you're supposed to do uh, to, to show that, that, that this is your country, this is the United States of America, and that you respect it. So um, I think kids, I, I hope it doesn't get into, you know, to, to the little kids. And, and I don't know if the colleges have some of the guys that protested in college or not, but it's, uh, it's an issue. And just like everything else in this world, uh, it's an issue. People uh, take offense to a lot of things, and um, that's just the way it goes. But, you know, my my view on it is I, I think you should stand. Um, I think you should, uh, you know, stand for what the country is about, um, regardless of what your affiliation is. And, um, you know, that's what I would do if I was playing right now. Okay, thank you for weighing in on that. All right, NFL Hall of Fame career in the books. What's next for Andre Reid? I know you have the foundation going on, but what goals do you have currently? What's driving you now? That, that's a good question. I think this, you know, my foundation in this program is really important to me. And, and when I go to speak at Boys and Girls Club events, um, you know, I've got three or four of them coming up. I, I speak at Youth of the Year Awards. I speak at uh, breakfasts, and I, it's all about them raising money for their clubs. But it's to tell my club experience and what the club has done for me in my life. And um, it's, it's a great Great metaphor uh, for what, you know, I want to get across. And, and it's a good thing that I, you know, am very proud about. And I have a platform. And I think in life you got to use your platform, whatever it is, um, not only to, you know, get your your point across, but to, to use that as a, as a stepping stone and as a, and as a springboard to the next thing. And uh, these kids are really important to me because I was one of them. And somebody believed in me. Uh, that I could be who I wanted to be, and I can go out there and do anything I want to do. And that's that's the message I'm trying to relay to all these kids and all these cities is that we're, you know, I was just like you, and, and I was a little kid too, and I was in the clubs, and uh, I wanted to be this, I wanted to be that. But you, you need a lot of people behind you uh, that believe in you, and you believe in yourself. All right, what type of advice could you give the new fathers or the about-to-be dad that's out there listening right now? Well, we're we're in a we're in a society now where it's so important. Uh, parents have always been important, 
but we're parents are more important now than ever. You know, this generation is every every 10, 12, 15, 20 years, it's a new generation. But this generation of kids, uh, the the high school kids, the kids that are little right now, you know, they're they need mentors. They need people that are uh, have not only been there but can teach them a lot about life. And uh, as a parent, it's so important that you're there for your kids. It's so important that you're able to talk to them about not only your experiences as a kid, but what they're dealing with and what could happen uh, down the road. Uh, so I, I I really think that parents should keep talking to their kids, keep telling them that um, you know life is about a passion. It's about being anything you want to be, and you got to be able to put the blinders on a lot, and you got to be able to go in a straight line. And a lot of times people on the sides are going to pull you, but you got to be able to keep focused, stay the course, and do what's right. All right, that's going to wrap things up for me here. NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver Andre Reed. I just want to say thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. You got it, man. I appreciate it. All right, we'll be right back after a quick spot. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first class father who is an all time NFL great. He is on the 1990s All Decade team, the 2000 All Decade team. He is in the College Football Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He played professional ball with the New Orleans Saints and the Kansas City Chiefs. It is with great pleasure that I get to say, Willie Rofe, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for having me. All right, let's get this started here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Uh, I have four kids and a stepdaughter. I have a 24-year-old stepdaughter. I have a 22-year-old um, uh, daughter, uh, Jordan, that's in uh, Raven and Jordan in Knoxville, married. I'm a granddad. I have a 21-year-old, just turned 21, uh, September 18th, going to Palm City College, living with me here in Florida. I have a 19-year-old son going to UNO in New Orleans, and my youngest is uh, Carrington is will be 17 in December, and she's living with us going to Jupiter High School. Wow, okay. What kind of sports or activities were the kids into? Uh, my youngest did a little volleyball, um, a little soccer. Uh, now none, my, my daughter Alexis played basketball when she was younger, but now none, none involved in sports. All right, Willie, walk me through. What are some of the challenges or difficulties becoming a father while you're playing at such an elite level in the NFL? Well, well, the most tough thing for me was I was the president all the time. I mean, my kids did not live with me uh, per se. They live with me now. Some of them live with me now. But uh, in the league, you know, I had to learn, like a lot of guys learned, having kids. Um, I wasn't married and uh, different moms. And so it was just a matter of me seeing them all season, trying to spend as much time as I could with them. Uh, the financial part, I took care of that, of course. But it's not about the financial part. It's about the part of me being having an active role in their life. So now that I'm retired and, and I've been settled, uh, married almost five years, um, I get to spend a lot, a lot more time with them. My son was living with me in high school in California. So, uh, you know, and my one daughter's married now, and they're trying to figure things out. So I help as much as I can. But, you know, while I was playing, it was a little, a little more difficult because, like I said, they're not living – New Orleans till I got toward the end of my career, and then I got traded to Kansas City, and my other two kids did not live in, in, in the state of Louisiana. 
Okay, you had the nickname of Nasty while you were playing professional football, so I'm kind of curious, how did you go about disciplining your kids? What kind of disciplinarian were you? Were you tough on, on them, or how did you go about it? You know, that's a good question. I, you know, I just try to, you know, I try to make sure they do their chores now. I try to make sure my daughter, make sure she, obviously she does a schoolwork, she's almost straight a student, but, you know, my dad was, had to be disciplined on me and my brother. Um, when you're not present all the time, you kind of want to discipline in a different way. You know, we went to a little work class with my son. Uh, my dad would come and talk to him, and he's maturing now. It's a little different with these millennials. I mean, it's uh, parents listening, people listening. Uh, you have to be tender, tender, hand to tenderfoot with these kids because they, they, they can't absorb as much. So, you know, with the millennial generation, uh, you have to watch what you do and, and say, because you don't want to push them the wrong way because they might pay, be mad at you for a couple months. So, uh, so I try to, uh, I try to talk more as a discipline and try to explain things more as I get older with my kids so they understand. Well said. And one of the big disconnects between parents and their kids today is social media, which is something that we didn't grow up with. And also the video games are ultra addictive. So how do you handle or monitor social media and technology with your kids? My wife does that. She monitors the social media, the uh, Snapchat and all that. My son, funny, funny you bring up video games. My son would like to, that was his thing. He's more of a computer guy. Playing Minecraft, playing on the computer, not want to go to school, you know, want to play computers, computers, computers. Really, you know, messed him up some with his schoolwork in high school, and then he went online his last year. But now that he's 19, he's coming out of the shell, he's going to college every day. You need that experience to go mingle and get go with kids and learn about life. College, college for me was my growing up period. College was my transition into manhood, and you need that interaction with the students, being on your own, having to take care of yourself, having to clean up after yourself, having to figure out things now that you're away from your parents. So I think that's where the parents have to let these kids get away, especially when they start getting to that age, and grow up and learn on their own. You know, and it's, it's, we all depend on these self phones now. I mean, I don't, I don't have a laptop. Everything I do, Internet, uh, email, everything is done on, that, on the phone. So, I mean, your phone is, is your lifeline now, and, and, and that's the way. That's, that's kind of a uh, blessing, but it's kind of a kind of a, 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 a not good because you know, I mean, navigation. Now we, you had to get a map and learn how to go places. You traveled around the country. Now you depend on that phone to get you everywhere you're going. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think it's really crippling the communication skills with our kids big time. Yeah, you know, so I was at my 30 year high school reunion. And, and I was talking to a parent with his kids, and he said what he started doing when they came, when his kids came home from school, and everybody sat down to dinner like we used to, he took their phones. So for this hour or two hours when you come home from school or when you come hang out with me, I want to take this phone. I mean, we can watch TV or we can do something, but let's get the phone out of this our interaction for a couple hours. So we could just, and he said that at first the kids got upset, but then they understood. After a while, they were like, I'm glad you did this because this makes us have to communicate and spend time with each other without these devices. And, 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 and I think families need time. 
Let's step on these cell phones. Yeah, I agree, and I'm trying to get better with it myself. Uh, I, I never had social media accounts until I began this podcast about five months ago. And now, as I tell my kids to stay away from the technology at times, I find myself buried in the screen all the time. So it's definitely something I have to pay more attention to and try to lead by example with. And it's, you know, it, it, and my, my wife, and it, you, know, you know, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and I track it and stuff, but, you know, they do, my wife and her friend do a lot of it. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's good. It's good because you... Especially with, with people uh, that I graduated with school with from Facebook, keeping up with each other, seeing what each other doing. That part, you get to see what each, seeing each other's lives. Where back in the day, there was no way for you to know what everybody was doing. Well, now you know what everybody, now sometimes you know a little bit about, too much about what everybody's doing. But you do get to keep up with everybody and see what they're doing and everything. So it's got its benefits, but like you said, when you're spending time and you want to spend time with your kids, and you just want to have some, some family time, I think you need to put the device away for a while. Yeah, agreed there. Okay, let me hit you with this because um, it's a difficult decision that many parents are facing today, especially with everything that we know about CTE, uh, whether or not to let their kids play tackle football. So uh, what type of advice do you have for the dad or for the parent whose kid is begging to play or asking to play tackle football, but the dad is kind of on the fence about it? I would say let them play flag or some type of football without hitting contact till they get toward high school. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend let now if I had a kid that wanted to play sports, I'd let him play basketball, soccer, you know, baseball. But football contact wise, I wouldn't I wouldn't let him play contact football to maybe the ninth grade. I mean, your body has to develop, you have to learn. The problem with that, they would have to play some type of football so they would know know the right techniques, but not not contact, physical contact until getting closer to the teenage years, because I mean these kids just that you can teach them, but they they just don't know how to do how to do it at that level, and they just it's, you know I grew up playing football all my life, even street ball with no pads before I put the pads on, so you kind of had to learn how to do it, you know tackling and hitting people without hitting your head because you didn't have pads on when you playing street ball. So what I'm saying is, you know if they, if they're not gonna play like that like we did growing up. So you learn how to do it without pads on, you know, which is dangerous anyway. You know, guys getting hurt and uh, uh, out there playing. But you don't need to do it organized until you get older. Yeah, and I have one son playing in an NFL flag football league right now. Um, it's very well run, very well organized, and I'm very happy with it. He's learning the skills and not taking the blows, like you said there. Um uh, I'm like you. I played a ton of street ball growing up, and, and my friends and I, you know, we, we played. It wasn't organized when we played. There was obviously no flag football, but we played without supervision. We played with no parents watching us, no referees. We picked the teams. We made the rules. We called all the penalties. I mean, we did all that stuff as kids. Um, and we made it work. I mean, we, uh, we played and didn't get out. What you played hot potato, you played organized. I mean, somebody would be a quarterback, you would run routes and stuff, but people were getting tackled and stuff, and you learned how to not, you know, get dinged up out there because you were out there playing, and, you know, we were outside all day playing in sports. No matter what the sport was, you know, kickball, hit, you know, hit, stick ball, any kind of ball, basketball, you know, sports year-round. But, uh, you know, like I said, they're not growing up playing ball like we did on organized and made up, up as kids, they're going straight into organized sports without that. Playing sports without the pads on before it went into organized sports. So we had an idea of how to play. They're just going out there not doing anything and playing organized sports.
Yeah, Willie, and that's one of the things I find very sad today is that I'll pass by many parks or fields and they're just empty, you know. And, and when I was a kid, you know, the fields, the, the basketball courts, anywhere there was a big spot of grass was usually just packed with kids playing. Now now they're all empty. Oh, man, I grew up on the east side of Pablo, Arkansas. We was 34 school. That was our practice field at the school. Every week, you know, especially this time of year when basketball season starts, we'd be up there for football practice. You have kids everywhere playing basketball on the court, people around, walking walk to practice, riding bikes. I mean, it was so much fun growing up in the 70s, you know, early 80s. I mean, it was kids everywhere. We had organized teams all over. Football and baseball were huge. If, you know, we weren't organized baseball. I mean, I mean, basketball as much as you got a little older. But football and baseball were huge. You know, I grew up in the South, so obviously there wasn't any hockey. We didn't have any ice rinks. But, you know, Toy Hunter and I went to the same high school. He grew up on the east side of Prime Bluff. Don Hudson and I went to the same high school. Don Hudson, all-time all-time great. Grew up on the east side of Prime Bluff, Arkansas. Played for Bell Bryant and for Vince uh, 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 Lombardi. So, like I said, it was, it was, it was so much fun. Uh, growing up then and all the kids, like you said, man, you don't see any of that anymore. It's just sad. It's just the kids aren't outside. I mean, I mean, they don't have, the, I don't think they have the fun we had, riding bikes everywhere, just riding, riding bikes all over town to friends' house. We, we would ride bikes all over the place. Yeah, times are definitely different now. But uh, all right, Willie, how about the high school kid who's crushing it on the gridiron and he's looking to go next level and he's getting all the attention now from the major schools? What kind of advice do you have for the father or the parent of those kids? Stay, you know, keep the focus. Make sure he's getting his grade works. Make great books. Make sure he meet, goes on these recruiting trips. Meet with the right coach and the right system that works for your son. So, you know, don't push him to go to a school that you want him to go to. Let him go where he feels comfortable with the coaches, the players, and let him make that decision. Because if you don't let the kid make the decision he wants to make, he's going to look back on it and might be mad or want to transfer or things happen. So don't force him to go to a school because you want him to go to it. Make sure the school, make sure it's a good school academically and the coach pushes for academics. That's number one. Uh, you want to make sure that they have some type of uh, uh, church or something. You know, the, the coach is, uh, is Christian. You know, I mean, if you're in, if that religion is important to you. But ultimately, let the kid figure out what's best for him and then let him make that decision and then you support him in that decision. Yeah, great advice right there. Okay, your mom was the first black woman to serve on the Arkansas Supreme Court, which is quite an accomplishment. Are any of your kids looking to follow in her footsteps? Anyone heading in that direction? Uh, my daughter that's going here to Palm Beach College wants to go uh, back to, when she finishes here for two years back to San Diego State and become an, an attorney. So she is talking about going to law school. Now, becoming a judge and all that, that's a little more difficult. So we'll see what happens with that department. But she does want to be a judge. And my youngest daughter, my dad was a dentist, is, wants to go in the medical field. What that is, I don't know yet. So uh, uh, those two, the two youngest, when well, my son's 19, he's younger, I'm not sure what he wants to do. He's still taking his prelims. But those two, I think, do want to go in the medical and the law field. All right, very cool. Uh, let me bounce it back to playing ball as a kid here, because I'm, I'm pretty curious. When you were playing as a younger guy, I'm sure you always had dreams about playing in the NFL, but did you see yourself playing at a specialty position? Did you ever want to play tight end, or was it always O-line all the time for you? 
Clothes was not even a thought to me. I was just happy to get a scholarship. But my dad was six three and a half, you know, two fifteen, and went to Michigan State on the football scholarship. My mom was five ten, so I was a big boy. So I was always on the offensive defensive line. Uh, we were nine in those city champs in the ninth grade. I played D line. I was always one of the bigger kids. So uh, I always stood on the line. When I got to high school, I played a lot of basketball. Went to camp at UCA when Scotty Pippen came out. University of Central Arkansas got Mr. Rebound, had a few offers, but I was about 225, 230. Never thought I was going to be 300 pounds and went to Louisiana Tech and the rest was history. Got red-shirted, never really hit the weight. A lot of parents want these kids to get real, real big in high school. You don't have to be real big in high school. You want to be more athletic. Let them play multiple sports so they have good feet, good balance, and that's what happened with me. I was a late bloomer, all-star conference, when I was playing football, but I had great footwork, feet work, and I was a very, very good athlete, gifted athlete. And when I got to college and hit the weights, that even made me so quicker. So, you know, everything timed out perfectly for me. I got in the right system, and I blossomed in Louisiana Tech. Yeah, it almost seems like high school football has become more like uh, it is at the collegiate level, especially with the schedules. They have them traveling all across the country. Their games are televised now. I mean, uh, these kids are superstars before they even hit college now. That's the problem. They're superstars, and then they get to these big programs, and they and they think they're superstars, and they always think they're in the pros. You know, I went to La Tech. We were going to Division One. We always had something to prove. We always had a chip on our shoulder. And when you get to the pros, I don't care if you go to Alabama uh La Tech or Bramlin or whatever school, but you got to go out there and perform, and you got to go out there and you're in the pros now. It doesn't matter what you did in college or high school or whatever, but a lot of these kids, even these young kids, I mean, it's crazy. Even these little league teams, you have them fighting for these kids and they're transferring teams and doing all that stuff in football. Now I understand basketball, AAU and these basketball boys go to all these different high schools, but now it's starting to happen in football, so it's very competitive. Uh, a lot of parents involved. It's, it's a lot more political now than it was then as far as parents getting involved and who's playing and his and all this stuff. So I have a little cousin that's at Roswell, Roswell High School in, in Atlanta, and, and it's, you know, even at the 6th, 7th grade level, level, it's political about who's playing, what quote, the coach's son playing and all this different stuff. So, you know, it's, you know, it wasn't like that back then. Yeah, I definitely see that going on as well. Um, okay, Willie, let me hit you with this because it's always trending with the NFL, unfortunately, but uh, what is your opinion about the players who are taking a knee during the National Anthem? Uh, I don't think it's a good thing. I think they, they, they made that point a couple of years ago. I don't think I wouldn't have taken a knee for the Anthem, and uh, I just think you honor your country and uh, you get out in the community and you try to impact things in different ways. I, you know, I understand it. You know, they were upset with some things at the time that were going on, but I just don't thought it was nothing I wouldn't have done. Okay, well said. Right on with that. Um, all right, what's going on with you right now? What kind of projects are you working on? What's coming up for you? Uh, what are the goals for Willie Rofe at the moment? Uh, we have a company we started called Frame Your Game. It's a uh, sports-related license plate helmet. Uh, fans can go to frameyourgame.com and go down. We're on Fanatics, uh, NFL Shop, Fans Edge, Bed Bath Beyond now. We have the NFL, NFL PA license, and a lot of collegiate license, so I can put any player inside the plates from the NFL. You know, I can, or I can sell you the helmet by something to throw in your vehicle. We're selling this in a bunch of stores and stadiums in Pittsburgh, uh, Seattle, uh, Kansas City, uh, the Meadowlands, Denver. So you can go get your helmet and put it on your car on game day. I still want to put your helmet on game day. 
down and check us out and uh, get you a nice gift for your for somebody uh, uh for your somebody in your family for Christmas or for uh, coming up for their birthday and uh, support our company and what we're doing. We'll we'll be hitting some other sports, uh, some other other uh, major league baseball and other uh, NHL coming in the future. We have the hats we're selling now with the NFL and the helmets, but uh, we'll, we'll be uh, business is picking up and we'll be looking to do some some great things in the future. All right, that sounds cool. I'll be sure to put a link in the description of this podcast episode that will take the listeners directly to the website so they can check it out. And last thing I want to hit you with here, Willie, I like to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice could you give to the new father or to that about-to-be dad that's out there listening? Uh, it's always a blessing to have a child. Be, be thankful that you were blessed to be able to have a child. Uh, uh Make sure you you love that child and always be in that child's life, and make sure you you, you put God first and uh, and uh, you know let the child don't push the child to do things that you know let them figure out their path in life, discipline them, but outside of that you know you let them make their decisions. Don't force them to play like I said to play sports to do what they want. Let them do what they want to do. I never forced my son or pushed him hard to play sports. I wanted him to be academically successful, and he is, so I'm more proud of him for being a very good student and, and, and learning the ropes of life than I am that, that he did not play sports. So I wouldn't force him or push him to do something they wouldn't do because I don't want them to hold anything over your head. I just want you to let them develop as a, as a person, man or female, make sure that they they are treated with respect and make sure they, uh, they work hard and Make, give them the best opportunities in life that you didn't have or that you did have. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. You got anything else you want to throw in there before I wrap this up? You know, just follow me at Willie underscore Wolf on uh, Twitter and Instagram, and that's about it. All right. All-time great Hall of Famer Willie Rolf. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. God bless, and, and uh, thank y'all for listening. All right. I'll be right back after a quick spot. JR Overcome Show. Two SEALs will be unleashed. The rawest, most inspirational, and gut checking show with Jason Redman and Ray Kerr. These two first class fathers are here to motivate, educate, and make you reevaluate your life. This will be a powerful experience. Lead always and overcome all. Ray Kerr, Jason Redman, JR Overcome Show. Subscribe today. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first class father who is also enshrined in the National Football League Hall of Fame. He is a Super Bowl winning MVP quarterback. You can find him most Sundays on the NFL Network. It is my privilege to say, Kurt Warner, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Now you bet. Glad to be on. All right, let me throw a couple at you here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? <laughs> I have. Seven kids now, uh, 20, 29, 26, um, 19, 17, 14, and then 12-year-old twins to finish it. And uh, I've also got two grandkids, one that's just uh, a week old and uh, a granddaughter that's just over a year. All right. Yes, I, I did see that tweet a little while back. Congratulations on the new grandkid. All right. Walk me through what were some of the difficulties of being such a high-level elite NFL player while also being a father? Well, I mean, I think always balancing time with careers uh, is always one of the big challenges is, uh, 
making sure that uh, you can show your kids how important it is to be great at what you do, uh, while at the same time making sure uh, they know that, you know, you're their priority and that being a dad is number one, um, although, you know, career can be very important as well. And uh, always trying to figure out how you balance it because what I learned a long time ago is that balance doesn't always mean equal. Uh, by that I mean you're not going to be able to give your wife eight hours, your job eight hours, and your kids eight hours of every single day that – uh, to me, balance means when I have time to focus on my wife, focus on my wife. When I have time to focus on my kids, focus on my kids. And when it's time to focus on my job, focus on my job. But um, make sure the effort and attention is balanced um, no matter how many hours in a day that, you know, that equals for, for each of those different areas. Yeah, well said. That's something that a lot of dads struggle with. I know I could speak for myself of keeping my focus on what I'm doing at times can be a challenge. Uh, I can assure you right now I'm focused on this interview, so let me hit you with another question. Uh, everything that we know now about CTE makes it kind of difficult for most dads to decide whether or not uh, to let their kids play tackle football. I know you've had some kids play football. I don't know if you have any kids playing football right now, uh, but what is your feeling or what is your opinion on young kids playing contact sports, especially football? Uh, you know, I have a 19-year-old that's playing at the University of Nebraska right now. I have a 14-year-old that's just starting high school and playing tackle football as well. Um, you know, and it's a tough question because I love the game. I love what the game taught me. I love what the game's brought me and brought my family. Uh, I wouldn't trade any of it for anything. Um, but, you know, that's with a helmet on. When you put the helmet on, that's my perspective. When I put the father hat on, um, you know, there's there's different ways I look at it is that, I want them to do what they're passionate about, what they love doing, and I'm going to support that at all costs. Um, but I'm also I also understand the risks uh, that go with playing football, and uh, none of us ever want our kids to be put into a situation where they're at risk. And it doesn't matter what it is, you know. You put them in an environment with people that you're not comfortable with. You put them in a car when they're age 16. Um, you know, or you put them on a football field where you know there are inherent risks. Uh, I think we all want to try to protect our kids from those types of things. Um, but they choose to play. Uh, I definitely support them. I've actually coached my kids. But that's one area that I, I make sure that if my kids are playing, I am heavily involved. Uh, I'm, you know, very conscious of what's going on being taught, um, you know, what happens to them in every practice and every game. So I can communicate, um, and we can communicate if, you know, anything ever happens. You know, if they ever suffer a concussion or some kind of injury, that they're always communicating and letting me know what's going on. And if they're not, I'm right there to be able to see, hey, they're just not acting right. You know, that, that something doesn't seem right. Or that hit there, we need to make sure we check somebody, um, you know, after that. And so I try to make sure I'm very hands-on with the football process um, because I do understand those inherent risks that are definitely going to be there uh, with tackle sports. All right. I know you have coached your kids in the past. Have you kind of stepped away from that now? And are you watching more from the sidelines or are you still, are, are you involved in coaching your kids? No, I, I do coach them. Uh, I have coached, uh, yeah, I've coached my kids uh, almost as long as they've been playing. Um, I'm coaching at the high school now where my son plays. I coach my other son all through high school. Um, 
So like I said, when it gets to that level and you're playing competitive, physical uh, tackle football, I want to make sure that uh, I'm either very, very comfortable with the people that are coaching my kids or I'm hands-on and I'm there so I can monitor and watch everything that goes on from what they're being taught to um, to what may happen physically to them uh, throughout the course of a practice or a game. All right, I know another big concern facing many fathers out there is social media and all the technology behind it. I have a 12-year-old and an 11-year-old myself, so I'm right on the brink of getting involved in all this. What kind of advice could you give about how to handle social media with your children? Well, I mean, I think, you know, anytime you have responsibility, um, whatever that is, whether it's responsibility for um, your actions, responsibility for the words that you put out there, the fact that something you put on the Internet um, will be will last forever and it will have, you know, far-reaching consequences. Uh, I think with that responsibility comes, you know, comes two sides of a coin. It, it gives you an unbelievable platform to impact people and make a difference positively. Uh, while at the same time, uh, because of that freedom, it also gives you the incredible opportunity to, um, you know, especially when you're a young kid that, that makes mistakes anyways, uh, to make viral mistakes that can, uh, that can hang with you for a long time. So uh, I love social media. I think it's a tremendous platform, um, but I think you have to be very conscious and aware of how it can be used for and against you. And, um, you know, you got to make sure that you're using it for your, yourself. Uh, that means think before you tweet, um, you know, before <laughs> you post videos. That means maybe ask someone else how they would read or take something that you uh, that you put out there because sometimes you can have one intention, as we all know, via text or via Twitter, and everybody can read it a completely different way. So I think it's very important to make sure you monitor that and, uh, you know, have checks and balances and make sure you hold yourself accountable because you don't ever want to put anything out there that was unintended or that you didn't see from a particular light and have it follow you, uh, you know, into the future and maybe even prevent you from being able to accomplish things that you want to accomplish. All right, let me use that to kind of segue into my next question here. Uh, you put out a tweet recently talking about one of the most difficult topics in the NFL right now. Uh, what is your feeling or opinion on the players who are taking a knee during our national anthem, and what effect is that having on the kids? Well, again, I think anytime we're put in a position of, uh, responsibility, position of power, influence, um, we have to always understand that our actions uh, are going to be seen, are going to be emulated, are going to be critiqued or criticized, uh, whatever that may be. And so, you know, I think we have to understand that uh, first and foremost. Um, as far as the players that are kneeling, I, I am one that I think it's extremely important in life to always try to put yourself in the other person's shoes instead of simply always making your opinions known from your point of view or you're from your background. And so, you know, these situations with the players kneeling, um, you know, I think that the worst part is that it's taken on a different narrative that I've not once seen a player speak about, you know, this idea that it's a protest of the national anthem. It's a protest to our military and our servicemen and women, um, I've never heard a single player say that. Every person that I've heard talk about it is saying, we're taking this stand or we're taking this knee 
as a means of drawing attention and using our platform um, to try to you know, to try to do something and create change in the areas of you know racial equality and um, you know and those types of things. And so uh, I, I think that's the first problem is we've changed the narrative and made it into something that it's not. I think the other part is you know that we all have to stand up and say okay. I may not agree with the means by which they do it, but I can't sit here and, you know, and judge someone just because I wouldn't do it. You know, that, that doesn't make it wrong. Uh, that doesn't mean it's something they shouldn't do just because I would choose something different. If you were choosing to say, I don't agree with what they're standing up for, which is the social equality and the social injustice that we're, you said, well, I don't agree with that. You know, I, I don't want to fight for that. That's one thing. You you can have an opinion on that. But when it comes to, hey, I agree with what they're making their statement for. I just don't think they should do it that way. Sure, you can have that opinion. But we all have to choose how we want to stand for anything in life, how we want to, um, you know, to discipline our children, right, how we go about our jobs, you know, the way we want to carry ourselves from a character standpoint. When we see an injustice, how do we handle that? You know, what what do we want to do in that situation? When we're walking down the street and we see something happen that, you know, in a normal setting we would stand up for and stop, in that setting do we do the same thing? Or do we choose to say, well, it's not my place there, so, you know, I'm going to walk away. I mean, we have decisions to make all the time about how we're going to stand for things that we believe are right or wrong or things that need to change. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, even though maybe I wouldn't do it that way, they shouldn't do it that way. If that's where the way they feel they can make the biggest impact on the biggest platform that they have um, and they can, you know, project it and say it and, and explain it with, you know, the, the reason for their cause, uh, I'm always going to back people in those situations. You know, and again, it doesn't mean that I would do it the same way, but it doesn't mean they're wrong in standing up or kneeling in that manner and in that time. And I think that's what we, we too often lose sight of is we say, this is what I would do, so anything else is wrong, as opposed to saying, hey, I love what they stand for. I love what they're believing in. I wish they would do it on another platform, but I can still support them, even though I don't agree with that platform because I believe in what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. And I believe that's the case with, with these players is they're simply doing it to try to create change positively for our country uh, in the areas that, that they've determined. And I don't think we should ever fault someone for like, for someone like, something like that. It's okay to have dialogue. It's okay to try to figure out better ways uh, if you feel that there's a better way to do it. But I don't think we fault someone for standing up for something that, I think, you know, the majority of people in our country would 100% stand up for and, and, and fight for if they were given a platform that they believe in. Okay, fair points. I can't say that I'm in total agreement with you there. I, I do think it's the wrong platform, but I appreciate you weighing in on the topic. Uh, let's move it along here. Uh, you've had a very successful career in front of the camera there. You have a very charismatic uh, personality. Do any of your kids show any interest in following your footsteps behind the camera and kind of getting involved in television? Uh, that hasn't really been in their plans yet. Um, you know, but, but I think, you know, the bottom line, as I always tell my kids, I said, as much as you can, 
take opportunities to speak to people, whether it's speech classes, whether it's getting up in front of your classes and talking to people, um, you know, being able to have phone calls instead of text messages, being able to go out and sell something for your school to raise money for your football team or your swim team, be able to project and carry yourself and hold a conversation and hold someone's attention with, um, with your ability to speak. Because I think so many jobs, um, if you have the ability to communicate, um, you can do a lot of things. And you can find something that you're passionate about to um, to speak on. And so, you know, I have kids that, that love sports. I have kids that are, you know, passionate about different things. And I wouldn't be surprised at some point in time if, if they got into speaking about it on a daily or on a daily basis or in a career basis. Um, I don't know if any will end up on TV talking about football, um, but I hope they all have the ability to communicate extremely well in whatever in, in whatever position they take. Uh, as they move forward in life. Okay, with seven kids, I'm curious, have you ever been approached about doing a reality show about your family, and would you ever consider it? Yeah, we've been approached a number of times over the years to do uh, to do a reality show. Um, you know, and I think, again, there would, be, there would be great things about it. But, you know, I think that the hard part about television is that at the end of the day, it's still television. And television always is about creating conflict. And, uh, you know, being able to uh, to create something that people are, are drawn to, and a lot of times um, it has to have, you know, positive flair and oftentimes a negative flair. And um, we were just, you know, very conscious of when we did this that we'd really built, um, you know, our careers and our lives on uh, projecting a certain thing and making sure um, that our character stood above everything else. And we were just concerned at any point in time that, um, you know, whether it's through editing um, or, or through the way that they were trying to draw the show, that it could take what we've built uh, from a reputation standpoint and take it in a, in a different direction. Um, and we weren't willing to take that chance. You know, not that it would have been a bad thing. I think there could have been some great opportunities and a great way to impact people through big families and discipline and, and being able to resolve conflict and all those great things. Um but, again, when you're not in full control of something at the end of the day, um, you know, it's always difficult to, to sign on, and uh, especially when you're talking about your everyday lives, your children, your family, and things that, uh, that are very much uh, prized possessions, so to speak, to you. Yeah, I can definitely appreciate that. Well said. All right, one thing that I like to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast here, what kind of advice could you give to the new father or to that about-to-be dad that's out there listening? <laughs> um, you know, I think the one piece of advice that I can, you know, can always give is that um, there's not a book out there that um, that is flawless in telling you how to be a parent, uh, how to handle every situation, uh, how to do everything right and make sure you handle, um, you know, all your different kids with different personalities and, and all of that correctly that the one piece of advice that I would give and that I've found to kind of hold true is that regardless of how perfect or imperfect you are, or regardless of how perfect or imperfect your children may be, uh, the bottom line is every day make sure that they know you love them, that regardless of where you've missed it or where they've missed it, that it doesn't affect the way that you love them, the way you feel about them, the way you will, you know, go to bat for them in any and every situation um, and I think that's the bottom line in our family is that my kids know every day 
that they are loved without question and that they have their two greatest advocates are going to be their mom and their dad uh, in every facet and in every way possible. And, um, and we're not perfect. You know, we've messed up and had to apologize, and they've done the same. Um, but that doesn't make us waver uh, in that unconditional love and the way uh, we feel towards them each and every day. And I would say to any father out there, make sure your kids know that every time you go to sleep, every time they, they their heads hit the pillow, that there's no question, that there's never a question in their mind how much you really love them. Yeah, well said. All right, the NFL season is upon us. Uh, tell us, where can we find Kurt Warner this year? Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm continuing to do the things that I've done the past few years. I'll be on the NFL Network, um, you know, here and there, but definitely every Sunday morning on NFL Game Day morning uh, with our cast of characters. I'll be doing uh, the majority of the Monday night radio broadcast for Westwood One, local radio station. So if you're uh, tuning in to listen to the Monday night game, um, you know, I'll be doing it with Kevin Harlan. I, I think we do a, a really good broadcast, and it's a lot of fun. So those will be my Sundays and Mondays. Um, Outside of that, I'll be uh, continuing to do things with my my foundations. The First Things First Foundation, our new Endeavor Treasure House, which is um, a community living facility for young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities that we're opening uh, actually this weekend here in Arizona. Um, and I'll, I'll be coaching high school football, and I'll be chasing the rest of my kids around. And um, uh, hopefully uh, in between there, I'll be taking my wife on either date nights or date days, and uh, making sure that she gets some priority time as well. And um, no shortage of things to do. It's just um, always moving and shaking and uh, always love this time of year. Awesome. Good stuff, man. This has been a lot of fun, Kurt. I will definitely put a link to your foundation in the description of this podcast when I post it. And I got to say, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. You bet. I appreciate what you're doing with the, the podcast, and I appreciate being on. All right. We'll be right back after a quick spot. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first-class father. He is a two-time Super Bowl-winning champion. He is in the College Football Hall of Fame. He is also enshrined in Canton, Ohio, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He is an NFL legend, you know him as prime time. It is a great privilege for me to say, Dion Sanders, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, how you doing? What's going on? All right, let me kick things off here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have five kids. From 27 all the way to 14. Wow, okay, 14 to 27. That's a big age range there. Um, I know you coach football. I, I coach uh, flag football myself. What is it like for you coaching the high school kids? How is that experience? High school kids are somewhat different. I mean, we're the coach. It's a different child at the end of the day. He's uh, advanced. She's advanced. She has the resources. She has the capability to, to hit a button and find himself in a chapter somewhere um, all across the country, in places that we didn't even travel. So we must really be hands-on with our kids, coach with the kids. And it's just not just kids, man. They're an extension of the family. If you coach all right, Dion, walk me through. What were some of the difficulties of being such a high-level performance athlete and being a father? I don't think there are any difficulties. I think the main thing is how to equate time and how to keep the main thing the main thing. Your kids are the main thing. So you got to learn how fundamentally 
set time aside to make sure you're a father first. You chose to be a father. Therefore, you need to uphold the obligations of being a father first and not an athlete. Sports is something that passes through. Fatherhood is forever. All right, well said. Okay, backing it up to high school there, you deal with a lot of these kids who want to go next level. What type of advice do you have for the father that's out there whose kid is crushing it on the field and he's drawing attention from all the big schools and he wants to take his game to the next level? What type of advice do you have for that dad or parent? I would tell parents to stay involved with the whole entire process. I'm Don't allow your kids to make a foolish decision at 18 that they harm him um, before he or she is 21. Oftentimes, these kids don't have the capability or the capacity to make a wise decision on their future. You must be involved because they don't have that capability in life to make that decision which ultimately may affect their entire lives as well as yours because you've got to travel to those games. you you got to be there when she or he cries out for help. you got to be there to make sure they're maintaining their grades as well as the school. So I would tell them to just stay involved 100% throughout the whole process. You don't allow anyone to constantly, constantly, constantly contact your child without contacting you. You need to know. You need to be the gatekeeper. All right, very cool. Okay, you have a big presence on social media. I follow you on Twitter and Instagram, uh, but we did not grow up with social media. And it is one of those things that parents are struggling with. There's a big gap between parents and kids with this technology. What advice or opinion do you have with regards to social media when it comes to our kids? Well, I think social media is becoming a person now, not just social media. They're giving attention. They're giving love. They're giving their, their time. They're giving their finances. They're giving their effort all into social media, and no one's communicating anymore. Yeah, I mean, you can have a, a, a table full of kids, and they don't even talk. They're all on social media. They rather text, email, tweet. Instagram or Snapchat the person sitting right next to them rather than lift their head up and say, how you doing? Yeah, it's a shame, Dion. I agree with you there. I, I see it all the time as well. I, I drive a lot of Uber, and on the weekends, I'll pick up a bunch of kids after they had a night out, and, and on the ride back, they're just silent in the car, and when I look in the rearview mirror, all I see is their illuminated faces coming from their devices, so it's pretty sad. All right, let me switch gears a little bit here. With everything we know now about CTE, what's your opinion of young kids playing contact sports, especially football? Uh, football teaches tremendous life lessons. Because uh, currently there are a lot of injuries in soccer, which no one says anything about. Contact sports are contact sports. Many kids in the inner city, that's their way out. That's their way up. That's their way in. That's their way to escape the inner city trappings of life. So you don't see the like thereof when it comes to the inner city. I think the suburban areas, you may see cautious in regards to the contact sports in those per se areas. But it's, I think it's business as usual. All right, Dion, I know from following you on social media, I know that you're somebody that puts God first in your life, which is awesome to see. I am a believer in Christ. I put God first in my life as well. But this generation of kids, they seem to have run away from anything God-related, and we're seeing a rise in non-believers. What is the best way as parents for us to get the message across to our kids that God is great and he needs to be put first? A lot of parents say we put God first, and we proclaim God when we're tweeting, when we're Instagramming, when we're on social media. But the first sign of pressure, I see it to watch how we react to that. So when you're using profanity or when you're smoking, 
or when you're out in obscene hours, uh, they don't see the God in you. Um, being a Christian means being Christ-like. So we must always display Christ-like features, Christ-like uh, attitudes, and Christ-like experiences through our daily life. Then they can't hold that over your head when you snap over something as minimal as a slam in your hand at a door or something of that nature. So we must be an example for our kids, first and foremost, being made for being seen. You know, Bible says train up a child. He's young. When he's old, he's never born. So we were hoping that we train him up at a youthful stage, but when he's old, they capture it and, and come back to it and understand that God was your rock. Well said, Dion. All right, last thing I want to hit you with here, I'd like to ask all the dads that I have on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or the about-to-be father that's out there listening? Um, I would tell if the place close attention to your child. This is, this is the new world. Be involved in every aspect. Um, communication is everything, and don't try to be the friend. Be the parent. So many times and oftentimes we're trying to be our child's friend, trying to be his homie, trying to be the girl's friend, trying to be the, uh, the, the closest thing in their lives instead of acting like parents. Sometimes as parents, we, uh, they may have a friend that's closer, but we're still the parent and we need to act there up like a parent and have rules and have regulations and have guidelines and have, have Precautions that they know you better not cross this line or it's going to be on. But you don't have to have consequences taking your, your, your items that you care for the most. You know, discipline is a lost art in parenting nowadays. Okay, right on with that. I agree with you 100%. Um, all right, what do you got coming up? You got any projects you're working on? Any books in the making? Where can we find you? The NFL Network, man. I'm dedicated to these kids. This is my calling. So I coach youth football ages 5 to 12 truth, and I coach uh, high school football as well, and I'm on television on NFL, NFL Network a couple days a week, man. I think that keeps me busy enough. Okay, first class father, Dion Sanders, everyone. Dion, thank you so much. It has really been a pleasure to speak with you, and I really appreciate you giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. No, man, I appreciate you and what you're doing now. You're reaching out across the country to just bring salt and feed to our fathers of our country to bring people together. God bless. Yeah, God bless you as well, Dion. Thanks again. All right, hang on, everybody. I'll be right back after a quick spot. Man of War. Combat veteran, Purple Heart recipient, and New York Times bestselling author of Outlaw Platoon, Sean Parnell makes his fictional debut with Man of War, an electrifying military thriller, a gripping tale of action, suspense, and international intrigue that introduces a compelling new hero, Eric Steele. Grab your copy today wherever books are sold. Man of War by Sean Parnell. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I have got to give a special thank you to all the NFL greats who were kind enough to give me a few minutes of their time. That would be Morton Anderson, Andre Reed, Willie Rofe, Kurt Warner, and Deion Sanders. All right, I really hope you guys enjoyed those interviews. Please hit me up on Twitter, drop a DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about each and every one of those interviews. They were very special to me. And please keep it locked in here to First Class Fatherhood. I can promise you guys this much. 
the best is yet to come, all right? Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here on this podcast, which is smashing the charts over on iTunes. That's all I got for you guys in this special edition. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.